0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson show. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I I want to address something real quick. I I, got to move on to other stuff. Uh, But we've gotten a couple of phone calls about this during commercial break. And I also see emails coming in from people who are conservative libertarian-ish people who say that. uh, What about the Freakonomics argument here? Uh, Essentially, Stephen Levitt uh, wrote a book called Freakonomics. He's a data researcher and statistician and economist, and he argued that the crime rate went down in the country after Roe v. Wade and uh, basically did a causation instead of correlation thing. And what he argued is that um, unwanted children, now you got to do a couple of jumps here, unwanted children, are more likely to be the troublemakers. The troublemakers are more likely to cause crime, and the crime rate is to go up. Unwanted children who can be aborted, therefore, are not troubled children who cause crime, therefore, abortion reduces the crime rate. Uh, First of all, it's appalling that you can take a person and reduce them to a statistic and say, well, let's eliminate them. But more than that, uh, it's actually been fairly debunked, including by the Federal Reserve, Uh, that uh, Stephen Levitt missed some data points in there, but also reality itself sets in. We have higher crime now than we did in the 1990s, and we have a lower birth rate overall, but not through abortion. So though we have fewer children around who are unwanted, not because people are aborting, but because people simply aren't having sex, we have higher crime now than we had then. So how do we have less unwanted kids now and higher crime than we had than Levitt proposed in his argument? Hmm, makes you wonder. Uh, maybe he missed some things. But I, I actually, honestly, I have a moral philosophical objection to people who cite the free economic argument. You are taking humanity out of the equation. And you say that, well, Crime will go down and these kids, I mean, they're just gonna be troublemakers so might as well kill them. I mean, that's your argument. You don't like to put it that way, but that's your argument is let's just kill them because they're unloved, unwanted, they're gonna be troublemakers. What about the kid who was aborted who would have grown up to cure cancer? What about the kid who was aborted who would have grown up to be a hero in the next war? What about the kid who was aborted who would have cracked mathematical formulas that advanced civilization. Uh, See, you always want to focus on the kids you think are unloved and therefore aborted, but what about the kids who were aborted out of convenience and could have advanced society? Nobody likes to think about those things. You say, well, we're proving a negative. Well, you're also proving a negative on that. And what you're doing with the Stephen Levitt argument is you're taking correlation, ah, abortion was legalized and crime went down and said, ah, that must be the cause. And it's not really the case. There are actually other causes, including an advance in income on a per capita basis, uh, expanded social safety, welfare nets, uh, and the like, uh, and aggressive crackdowns in crime that also helped reduce crime over time. So I, I dispute the argument, but also think if you, if you embrace the argument, uh, no offense, but you're kind of a terrible person, If you're embracing the argument that we should kill kids because they might possibly grow up to be a criminal, um, forget their humanity and their soul. Let's just kill them. You're reducing your fellow citizens to a statistic, and that actually gets you the great genocides of the world. All right. I will move on now. Yeah, that that argument, it really, that one bothers me greatly because people say it in passing very flippantly. They don't actually think about what they're saying because they don't think. Let's just confuse correlation and causation. I got to move on because uh, you think all of this is bad. Now, first of all, let, let me say something else real quick. Um, for people who think that if the Supreme Court throws out Roe v. Wade, it will help the Democrats in Virginia. Uh, Terry McAuliffe campaigned aggressively trying to convince people they needed to vote for him because of the abortion issue. And the n- people who said abortion was their number one issue voted for Glenn Youngkin. Uh, abortion does galvanize a small segment of society overwhelmingly those people galvanized are conservative christian evangelicals who will show up and vote against uh, the pro-abortion crowd now i gotta jump because the democrats well we're going to there are gonna be some problems moving forward let's see here. Here's the story. Um, This is from CTV News in Canada. Unvaccinated travelers over the age of 12 won't be able to board a plane or passenger train in Canada beginning today, and a negative COVID-19 test will no longer serve as a substitute for most people Those are the draconian measures being put in place in Canada. You will not be able to travel without getting vaccinated. Well, the Biden administration can't do that. Too many federal judges would block it, but they are thinking of imposing some pretty draconian measures. This is from the Washington Post. The Biden administration is preparing stricter testing requirements for all travelers entering the United States, including returning Americans to curb the spread of the potentially dangerous Omicron variant, according to three federal health officials. As part of an enhanced winter COVID strategy, Biden is expected to announce Thursday, U.S. officials would require everyone entering the country to be tested one day before boarding flights, regardless of their vaccination status or country of departure. Administration officials are also considering a requirement that all travelers get retested within three to five days of arrival. In addition, they are debating a controversial proposal to require all travelers, including American citizens, to self-quarantine for seven days, even if their test results are negative. Those who flout the requirements might be subject to fines and penalties the first time such penalties would be linked to testing and quarantine measures for travelers in the United States. Uh, Not only do I think that a court would strike this down over the same 14th Amendment concerns we've been talking about with the Dobbs case, uh, but I think this is a political killer for the Democrats. I got to back up, though, to the very, very first sentence the Biden administration is preparing stricter testing requirements for all travelers entering the United States, including returning Americans to curb the spread of the potentially dangerous Omicron variant, potentially dangerous. Why potentially dangerous? Because we don't know. In fact, there are a lot of reports out today that the Omicron variant was spreading in Europe and Asia before it was even detected in South America. And the South American doctor who first detected it says it's not actually causing an uptick in severe illness. It's not causing an uptick in death. It's not causing an uptick in hospitalizations. In fact, uh, the greater data out there from Israel suggests that the current Pfizer and Moderna vaccines actually do offer protection for it, particularly if you've got the booster. So wait a second. The data suggests that contrary to Pfizer and Moderna and their statements uh, uh, of guesses that, yes, in fact, uh, there is protection offered by the vaccines. And also that based on the real world data from South Africa, it does not appear that this Uh, strain of the of the virus is worse than the delta variant in fact in south korea right now they're having a massive spread of the delta variant and it's overwhelming hospitals the delta variant uh seemingly is worse than the omicron variant now by the way as an aside here i should note you know i said yesterday uh, those of you who have embraced this conspiracy theory that pfizer has a vested interest in keeping the virus spreading so that it can make money, uh, your conspiracy theory. That doesn't mean that we should listen to Pfizer and Moderna, who do have a financial interest in vaccines, uh, when there is so new data on this, they don't even have the data to support their presupposition. They do want to sell their product. They don't want to keep a virus going. That's nonsense, but they do want to sell their product. So, of course, they're going to be, well, yeah, I think if you get another shot, it's going to help you. That You can nuance this and still not embrace a conspiracy theory or be insane. The fact of the matter is we don't know. What we do know, the, the real world data thus far suggests the Omicron variant is really not a severe, scary, dangerous health hazard. If anything, the Delta variant seemed to, in the data thus far, be the most problematic with the most risk. And we can't just take a wait-and-see attitude now. Everybody wants to rush out and scare you. There's a, there's a level of fear factor involved here, and I just don't think there should be. Now, Robin, uh, what's her name? Uh, Walensky, the, um, the CDC director. Here's what she's had to say thus far.
1: Let me express how grateful we are to the South African government and to their expert scientists who have been open in their communication and willing to share their data with CDC and the entire world. Their collaboration has allowed us to make evidence based decisions quickly and to ensure that we can protect as many people as possible from COVID-19. We are actively looking for the Omicron variant right here in the United States. Right now, there is no evidence of Omicron in the United States. The Delta variant remains the predominant circulating strain, representing 99.9% of all sequences sampled. Throughout the pandemic, as noted above, CDC has continuously monitored variants and vastly expanded our capacity for genomic sequencing over the past nine months.
0: So Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, says they're looking for it. They haven't found it here. It's only a matter of time, given the way things come. But there is a level of freakout that I think is improper and is being picked up by Jim Cramer at CNBC. Have you all heard this soundbite of his? Now we're engaged in a similar struggle with COVID, and Eisenhower would be aghast. We have immunocompromised people who are incubators for every variant to come, walking around lawfully unvaccinated. That's psychotic. We have companies that have tried hard to get people vaccinated and now backing down. We have governors who want to be president by grandstanding on a foolish state's right issue. The right to get sick and get other people sick. So it's time to admit that we have to go to war against COVID. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. And even then, you need to help in the war effort by staying home until we finally beat this thing. Then you know what would happen. Oh, there would be a new variant in some unvaccinated part of the world. Then someone flies here from there, and some of us will get a flu, and we'll take a pill from Pfizer once it can ramp up its antiviral, and it'll be like the influenza. Um, you get vaccinated, it already is, but you know we don't make everyone get the vaccine for the flu. To have the military in charge of it, and to force everyone by federal law to get it, whether you want it or not, hold them down and and stick a needle in there. I. We're getting on the insane paranoia bend here. Y'all, you should live reasonably, live reasonably, but don't live in fear. Reasonableness means you do take precautions during the flu season. We all tend to be a little more careful. Same during the COVID season. Just as you don't jump out of an airplane without a parachute You don't go out into the world licking doorknobs. You live with reasonable risk, reasonable precaution. You live reasonably. The idea that the government is going to bubble wrap all of us and protect us all from bad things happening. There was a school shooting yesterday. Government couldn't protect us from that. The government's not going to protect us from a microbe we can't even see. You got to live your life, take responsibility for your life. And some people in taking responsibility for their lives have said, you know what? I don't need, don't want, have no desire to take this vaccine because I've had COVID or I'm young and it's not going to affect me. That's fine. In fact, there's a growing body of data that if you already had COVID, you're going to be okay. I will tell you, I know someone who's had a second round of COVID who was also vaccinated. So there is that, but his case is mild. And ultimately, I think that's where we're going to be here is people will get it. We will probably all wind up getting it. And if you've had the vaccine, the booster, you're going to get a mild case of it and you will move on and it will become like a seasonal thing, a seasonal cold, a seasonal flu, and we're typically okay with that. But this idea that we need to live in fear, that this is a perilous, hazardous strain when there's no data out there, Uh, We're living in a time where the media and many politicians are overreacting to this virus. Have we learned nothing over the last two years? You would think we would have learned something, but apparently the media and the politicians are learning all the wrong lessons. Hello there. The phone number here is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Stand by on the phones. I don't have a lot of time here. Uh, There's been another hoax. This is from the Chronicle of Higher Education. The legacy of legendary academic prankster Alan Sokol lives on in mid-96. The journal Social Text published an article by Sokol, a professor of physics at New York University. He later revealed to be entirely a joke. This has happened again. We have an economist um, out there talking about undue donor pressure in economics and philosophy and turns out that the researcher made it all up as a joke we're, you know we're seeing in academic journals in scientific publications more and more a willingness to pursue a political agenda whether it's the New England Journal of Medicine or Nature Magazine there is certainly within the scientific community less and less willingness to engage in debate on things that uh, progressive academics decide are settled. Now, that's a real problem because science is never really settled. Did you know, for example, that the theory of tectonic plates, you know, we're all on tectonic plates, the land masses flow on tectonic plates, that did not really become anything we would consider settled science until the early 1980s when I was a kid. It was still in dispute and and, and largely resolved in that favor. And maybe something could change in the future. I I don't think so on that one. The Big Bang was a theory that at first it was proposed by a physicist who was also a Catholic priest, and even Albert Einstein rejected the idea of the Big Bang because he said it was the the Catholic priest trying to justify the Bibles and let there be light. And it's now fairly settled science. There was a Big Bang. The idea that we can't disrupt science and that science is, is incontrovertible really doesn't work well for science. And so now that gets us into the nonsense about gender and biology and, and how much of biological science can no longer be talked about. There was a story very recently about a, um, a female doctor who is an anatomical biological specialist who was asked by the dean of the medical school where she was lecturing to avoid using the phrases male and female and avoid using uh, the actual scientific names for the male and female biological organs, lest it offend the students. What was once a punchline and a joke is now becoming reality as people lose their senses of humor. Um, and it's really going to impact medical science in the future. We are headed into a dark ages where people forget real science because the politically correct people bully them into forgetting it. When we come back, I want to take your phone calls. And also, uh, we got a Pete Buttigieg problem for the Democrats, which I find absolutely hysterical. And nobody's really paying attention to it. But my goodness gracious, uh, some Democrats are starting to, to openly whisper, we can't let this guy be the nominee. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Let's go back to the phones. Rick, you are going to be up next. Welcome.
1: Yeah. Hi, Eric. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, you, earlier you were talking about the um, Supreme Court case going on today. And I was, my question is, um, my understanding is that when someone murders a woman that is pregnant, they're charged with two homicides. Mm-hmm. So that's really my question is, you basically the baby, unborn baby is being treated as a person and therefore the perpetrator is being charged with two murders. So that... Right. And now, okay, so of, th- yeah, this
0: one gets a little it. complicated, Rick, um, because, yes, I think almost every state has this. I think there are one or two very progressive states that no longer do for exactly the point you're getting to. Um, but in most states, yes, uh, the unborn child is treated as a human who has been killed. In some of the states, it is because that child is perceived to be a person who must be protected by the law. But in other states, this is where it gets a little bit weird, the child is a person because the mother has chosen not to abort the child, therefore allowing the child to have its personhood. And some states base it on the fact that the child is a child. Some states base it on the fact that the mother has chosen for it to be a child. Um, But you're right. Those states all do allow for uh, charging for two homicides.
1: Yeah. So, therefore... Um, in this case, the, the baby is considered, um, the unborn baby is considered a person. And right. so that that kind of flies in the face of um, the abortion issue where, yeah, and, and, you know, where people so, are saying the baby is not a person. Right.
0: But uh, you got to be careful here. And, and you know, this, this actually raises one of the points of how abortion has convoluted our jurisprudence of the country is that in some of the states that allow this. The baby's only a baby because the mother decided to allow the baby to live. So what if, hypothetically, the mother was on the way to an abortion clinic to terminate the pregnancy, and she and the baby were murdered on the way there? In those same states, you'd still have two homicides, even though the mother had already decided not. It's completely convoluted jurisprudence. The only thing that truly makes sense here in the jurisprudence is to allow the states to decide, and, and then so deciding, have their laws be consistent. When Georgia kind of led the nation last year in developing a fetal heartbeat standard, one of the things the state did was to manufacture an entire legal personhood around that uh, fetal heartbeat ban. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, uh, you could take your uh, begin taking your child tax deduction for your taxes. Uh, from the moment of conception forward, you could the child was entitled to certain rights, um, a guardianship issues and the like. were all in there. So gave the child very clear personhood. Uh, but nobody really likes to talk about that because it kind of complicates the issue and people want a very simple cut and dry issue, which I don't think they should be entitled to have. And yet that's where we are now. I got to I got to move on to other stuff um where is this national journal uh josh kroshauer uh has this uh, don't you hate it when you have an article you you get the article up and then suddenly it disappears and you can't find it anymore that's the story of my life these days oh i know where it is i filed it away here we go yes ha ha I'm a professional. Don't worry. (laughs) Josh Crashauer has this against the grain column in National Journal. He's very perceptive in what he writes. This is the headline uh, from against the grain in National Journal. The Democrats' Mayor Pete Problem. The fact that a Harvard-educated transportation secretary and former small city mayor is considered a top presidential prospect is an illustration of of the party's elite turn. It should be far too early to be talking about the next presidential election. But between President Biden's advanced age, his sagging fortunes, and widespread worries about Vice President Kamala Harris's political competence, the parlor games are already beginning. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who ran an impressive campaign for president as a political underdog, has emerged in the hearts and minds of some Democratic strategists as the favored successor. In reality, Buttigieg, the brainy former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, exemplifies the problems that Democrats are facing in the post-Trump political environment. They've become the party of intellectuals and technocrats, winning over growing numbers of highly educated white-collar voters while losing support for their old base of working-class voters, Of all racial and ethnic backgrounds, that's a bad trade-off, even in a Democratic presidential primary. Buttigieg's own presidential campaign was an illustration of the limitations of relying on affluent professionals as a voting base. Even when he surged during the presidential primary, he always struggled to muster support among the non-white and blue-collar voters that typically decide the party nomination. Now, I've got to go on some perilous ground here. And I need you to understand, I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm telling you what other people think. And you gotta you gotta be able to distinguish the two because I recognize where I'm headed is perilous ground. But I will remind you, there was a focus group of black female Democratic voters in South Carolina in the Democratic primary trying to figure out why Pete Buttigieg was capturing the hearts and minds of the press corps and no one else. College-educated white elite progressives loved Buttigieg. The media loved Buttigieg, but he couldn't get any traction. Why was that? And what the focus group of black women in South Carolina found was overwhelmingly, they did not want to support a gay married man. That was black women in South Carolina. In fact, when you got into the comments in this focus group, overwhelmingly, the women said they didn't really mind that he was gay, nor did they mind that he had a husband or a partner. They just really didn't like that it would be so in their face all the time. They didn't like that it would become the big issue. And it was... Off putting to them. They were perfectly happy to va- vote for a gay man. One of the women in one of the focus groups said she was going to vote for him. She thought he was young, good, and had fresh ideas. But even she didn't like the whole gay married thing. This is part of the problem that the media and cultural entities in themselves have. Now, again, follow along with me here. Be sure you know what I'm saying because some of you get mad at me and you shouldn't because I'm not saying anything off the wall here anything offensive for you when Hollywood or the NFL wants to mainstream a gay relationship, it is most often done with a media campaign, fireworks and billboards to celebrate the fact that, Oh my gosh, we have a gay couple in a movie. We've got a gay NFL player. Oh my gosh. Did you hear that? This guy in the nfl he's going to be the first gay player. as opposed to just put him on the team or put the gay couple in the Marvel movie. Just put him in there. You watch the movie and, oh, okay, it's it's two women. They're dating. That's kind of hot. They're superheroes. And you, you just move on. But, nope, it, it is, and this is what is off-putting to this, these particular to the black Democratic female voters in South Carolina was that we had to have a big parade to celebrate it all, and they were perfectly fine with it. They just didn't want to be in on the celebration of it. And as long as that continues to happen, that's going to continue to hurt within a subset of black and Hispanic voters who tend to vote Democrat, who they're not homophobic. They don't care that he's gay, but they care greatly that you wish them to care and celebrate that he's gay. And that's a problem that Democrats have to overcome, but there's a larger problem the Democrats have to overcome. Pete Buttigieg is spectacularly unaccomplished. He was the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. That's it. That's it. He is now the transportation secretary and left his job for two months on paternity leave and no one even noticed. And this is the man some Democrats think would be the front runner. Other Democrats are starting to say, wait a second, guys, this isn't a good idea. We've got a bench problem, and the Democrats have a bench problem. The Democrats have a Joe Biden problem. Joe Biden was the only Democrat who could keep the party together and beat Donald Trump. All of the data, the Democrats knew Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, they couldn't beat Donald Trump. Donald Trump would still be president if they were the Democratic nominee. It took Joe Biden running in order to get enough people to move away from Donald Trump. And frankly, a lot of those people now regret it. This is from the Washington Post. President Biden and his aides have long asserted that ending the pandemic would revive his political fortunes as Americans give him credit. But the emergence of the Omicron variant raises the prospect that the quarter will not be decisively turned on COVID for the foreseeable future as variants continue to crop up. This is a quote from Patty Solis Doyle, a Democratic strategist who worked with Biden and Barack Obama in 2008. Are you ready for the quote? You may want to sit down for this one. We're never going to go back to normal. Personally, I don't think I will ever get on a plane without wearing a mask. That's not a winning message. We're never going to go back to normal. That's not a winning message. Not a winning message at all. And if that is your winning message for the Democratic campaign, we're never going back to normal, this is the new normal, we're always going to wear masks, you're going to lose a lot of votes. The Democrats do not have a bench of candidates beyond Joe Biden. They have consistently lost at the state level except in 2018. And even then at the state level, they didn't do great. They lost big in 2020 other than the presidency at the state level. They actually lost some state legislative seats. They weren't expected to lose. They gained nothing the Republicans will wipe them out with redistricting. And even without redistricting, Republicans would probably still take back the House of Representatives. Pete DeFazio from California has announced today he's retiring. He's one of the most powerful Democrats in the House of Representatives. Oh, what is DeFazio's committee? I saw it in an email earlier today announcing that he was retiring. It's actually a pretty big deal. DeFazio is the chairman of the House Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. He got the bipartisan infrastructure bill passed, and now he's quitting. He's the 19th House Democrat to retire. Committee chairmen do not retire unless they know their majority is going to be wiped out. Because the Democrats don't tenure their committee chairman. So if the Democrats were going to continue on, DeFazio would continue on as chairman. He knows the wipeout's coming. And they don't have a bench. When you have the mayor of a city in Indiana who can become the transportation secretary and disappear for two months and have no one notice as a potential contender, you've got problems. Say what you will about the Republicans. They, they got to fight about Donald Trump. I actually think that the more coverage Donald Trump continues to get in the media from Republicans actually hurts him headed into 2024. The Mark Meadows book is out. We'll get to that. I don't think those conversations continue. Uh, People are starting to look at DeSantis and others. But at least there's a Republican bench. Let's say Donald Trump doesn't run. You got DeSantis, governor of Florida. You got Nikki Haley, UN ambassador, governor of South Carolina. You've got, uh, what's his name out in Arizona? Doug Ducey, the governor of Arizona, multiple term governor of Arizona you got Tom Cotton, a uh, multi-term senator from Arizona or from Arkansas. Marco Rubio, Speaker of the Florida House, turned senator. Ted Cruz, Solicitor General, turned senator. Josh Hawley, Attorney General of Missouri, turned senator. you've, you've, You've got a deep bench for the GOP. You don't have a deep bench for the Democrats. And now you've got people like Patty Solis Doyle, a very respected Democratic strategist who worked for Barack Obama and Joe Biden, saying we're never going back to normal. We'll never get rid of masks. That's not the message the Democrats need for 2022 or 2024. They got problems. And inflation and a recession on the horizon won't help them either. Now, I want to help you. One of the things I want to help you with is to clean up the air in your house and come up with a novel gift To give to family, let's just say hypothetically, you got family or friends and they got the pet odor in their house. You know, the pet odor in people's houses, often from cats, sometimes from dogs. And you want to send them a polite gift for Christmas that maybe helps that situation. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm air purifier actually eliminates or doesn't mask odors. It eliminates the odors and the dust and the mildew and the mold and the bacteria. You can get the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. In fact, you can get three of them and save $200. And also get all three of them for less than $200 by going to Edenpeerdeals.com today. You click on my name, Eric Erickson, and you will see the Eden Pure Thunderstorm 3-pack. Put it in your cart. At checkout, you will see a discount code box. And what you put in there is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K and the number three, ERIC3. You do that, and you will save good money. You will get $200 off. You will get all three of them for less than $200. So you can actually give one to each of three people or give three to one person. And you get free shipping. So EdenPureDeals.com, Eric Erickson, click on that name, put the three-pack in your cart, and the checkout code is ERIC3. You'll get three of them for less than $200, save in $200, get free shipping, and give some novel gifts, some good gifts that clean the air in your friend's house that has some stinky pet odors or cigarette odors that you want to get rid of. Well, there we go. I told you guys yesterday, I said it wouldn't surprise me if today or tomorrow in the middle of the show, we got this breaking news. We now have this breaking news in the middle of the show. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention of the United States government has just confirmed the first case of the Omicron variant in the United States. The individual is in California and returned from South Africa on November 22nd. Quote, the individual who was fully vaccinated and had mild symptoms that are improving is self-quarantining. And has been since testing positive. Now, the larger statement from the CDC, the California and San Francisco departments of public health, have confirmed that a recent case of COVID nineteen among an individual in California was caused by the Omicron variant B one one five two nine. The individual was a traveler who returned to South from South Africa on November twenty second, twenty twenty one. The individual who is fully vaccinated and had mild symptoms that are improving is self quarantining, and has been since testing positive. All close contacts have been contacted and have tested negative. Genomic sequencing was conducted at the University of California, San Francisco, and the sequence was confirmed at CDC as being consistent with the Omicron variant. This will be the first confirmed case of COVID-19 caused by the Omicron variant detected in the United States. On November 26, the World Health Organization classified the new variant Uh, And the United States classified it as a variant of concern. CDC has been actively monitoring and preparing for the variant. All right, there we go. Um, And then they want everyone to get vaccinated and and get a booster if you can. Interestingly enough, so in my local Publix grocery store where where, uh, life happens, I love that place. uh, It's where we've gotten our our shots and boosters. um, They were... Pretty much you could walk in and get a COVID vaccine up until Thursday or Friday when the Omicron variant wave hit, and they're just out. They've had so many people come in uh, overwhelmingly. They're getting boosters or finally getting their vaccines, but they don't have any to spare right now. And I take that as a good sign. People are being vigilant out there uh, by and large. But again, don't freak out. Just be reasonable. It's one case in San Francisco, and it hasn't spread from that person as far as we know. And you thought these last two years were crazy. Welcome to 2022. It's coming up and nothing makes sense still, especially in business. If you're a small business owner, good luck getting financing from a big bank right now. I can offer you a fantastic solution. If you're looking for $750,000 or more in financing for your business